This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Big Fish Small Pod. I'm Andrew Werdahl, and today is March 25th. Here on Big Fish Small Pod, I've been with you every Wednesday and Friday, and will continue throughout the season. I'm taking a particular interest in the offense this year. The pitching feels like really well established for this Marlins team, so the offense is kind of the next thing to click into place. So what I'm doing today is looking a bit at just like the dynamics of this roster. To start the season in April, it will be a 28-man roster. Fairly unusual. Uh, haven't really seen anything like that. Usually rosters expand at the end of the year. So what I'm doing is I just put together a bit of like a mock offense. Um, like I certainly not like a projection so much. It's just like I wanted to get some thoughts on page. So like looking at this team, we're going to have like Presume starters, Jacob Stallings, uh, Jesus Aguilar, Jazz, Miguel Rojas, Brian Anderson, Jorge Soler, Jesus Sanchez in center, and Avi Garcia in right with Garrett Cooper DHing. Should be like the primary roster with a bench looking probably about a 14-man offense to start with Joey Wendell being like your infield utility guy, giving some days off in there. Brian De La Cruz, a fourth outfielder, providing like days off for the outfield. Nick Fortes being that like backup catcher. Uh, John Birdie should stick in as like your pretty much anything utility guy. Uh, pretty much a day off backup for anyone who needs it. And then uh, Diaz, sort of like a developmental bat. Your first baseman, he'll slide in to cover first. Maybe some DH. Kind of hard to foresee that, but he'll probably benefit at least from the month of April by just being in the majors, seeing the pitching, getting his bat there, because he was good in AAA last year. Kind of the next step for him is proving it in the majors. So how can they maneuver that? It seems to be just having him as that extra bat bench guy for April is a great way to do it. So taking a look at like what the offense will look like, I mocked a lineup. Very, uh, I mean, it could go any way. So I'm really not like locked into this. Um, but I have Jazz leading off. He has like all that potential there um, as your like ideal leadoff hitter. And he's definitely gonna be a starter. Then you have Jorge Soler. He batted second for the Braves last year. Um, makes sense to have him bat second for us as well. Um, there's really just, no reason not to have his power bat get as many chances as possible. And third, I have Garrett Cooper. He's someone who you want in the middle of the order, but has been a bit of a question mark. So that third spot, generally speaking, not as many like run opportunities in third versus like second or fourth. So which is why fourth goes to Avi Garcia, your more solid middle of the order bat. From which Jesus Sanchez can bat behind him in a sort of developmental opportunity, immediately seeing a true pro 
right ahead of him against the pitcher he's about to face. Maybe there's a thing or two he can learn, but at least like he's in a spot to provide some coverage for Avi and to get his best shot with the bat. Behind him, Jesus Aguilar, an aggressive veteran. Um, kind of there's a bit of like a drop off as far as potential the way I see it. Jesus Aguilar uh, seemed like pretty well extended last year. So maybe some days off here or there could help him going forward, but his like aggressive presence seems to be more dominant than his like solid presence with the bat. If that um, makes any sense at all, it's just the difference between like Avi Garcia and Jesus Aguilar. They're more just, just a consistent, can do anything at the plate that Jesus Aguilar hasn't quite shown, but he still like could continue to show that. So you want him in position to make the most of his bat. After that kind of aggressive position, I have Miguel Rojas batting seventh, kind of like an unusual move. I don't necessarily know if he'll be there or ninth or first or really anything, but I like his ability to be that like leadoff hitter in terms of skills and uh, be kind of a reset at the plate. He'll foul some off. He won't be too, too aggressive, but he also might be incredibly aggressive. So it's more an unpredictable thing then you're like Jesus Aguilar, who you know is going to be trying to get an extra base hit. After Miguel, Brian Anderson, kind of the thought is to minimize his at-bats after the shoulder surgery, but he still could like prove to be that middle of the order bat. He might benefit just from someone like Miguel Rojas in front of him, offering that like sort of reset and they've played together for years. So they know each other well and what that means to how they get pitched and how then they might get pitched themselves. It offers just a cohesive sort of predictability there that might help Brian Anderson settle into a year, prove himself, and then move up in that order. Then in ninth, I have Jacob Stallings. He's kind of a glove first catcher. He does offer like a real at bat. By no means is he like a Jeff Mathis type player out there. He could even probably bat as high as seventh in this order. But the thing is that he's here for his glove and to minimize those at-bats might be a decent choice, just even as far as fatigue goes. It's also a sort of position that you could pinch hit later in the games, uh, give like Nick Fortes some of those at-bats. He seemed really solid at the plate last year, but I mean, a rookie hasn't quite been around the block yet. You don't know exactly what to expect probably until about like 500 plate appearances, you don't really know what to expect. So this team has a lot to prove. Um, highest upsides hitters, you're probably looking at like Jazz and like Jesus Sanchez. And those are guys that are still proving themselves. So like the idea with this team right here is that you have a really like stubborn, confident lineup. You have a lineup full of hitters that could easily have good productive years. There's no one in the lineup that I would say couldn't be an all-star in 2022. Um, not that it's particularly like likely all around. I don't think that the Marlins are gonna just have the all-star starting lineup in 2022, but any of these guys, it could foreseeably be there. I mean, a few of these guys have been there. Joey Wendells, who's been on the bench, was there last year. So it's just a good position with a very high floor. We're looking at a team of hitters with some obvious step-ins and some obvious 
players that could take a step forward. So sticking with that and just giving these guys time and at-bats and letting this like roster play out, give these like players the opportunity to play, that might be like the thing that ends up happening here for lack of like a true franchise hitter at the top. Like we aren't the Blue Jays where they look at like Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette as two like can beat anyone batters. We're looking at some like guys that still need to prove that. Jazz is a, certainly a player that you like hope could get to that point. But along with these like just couple of proven bats in the middle of the order, you have a chance that the pitcher could get better seen by the lineup and then be forced to go against a rather deep attack. There might be like some risk of this team does get blown away by like the absolute top pitchers for lack of that like boba shit. But um, the depth should be enough to really push the pitch count and test the opposition. And if what you're really afraid of is those like unquestionably dominant arms, what you have at the top is Jazz and Solaire who could change the game with one swing against any pitch. So the offense should be at least competitive and that's contingent on their much more established pitching staff. So with a high floor, you're looking at a roster that should at least be like decent with some steps forward that we'll see how they play out could prove to be a, like a really great year for Miami. And deeper than that, at AAA, you're looking at like players like JJ Bladé, Jarrera Encarnacion, possibly Peyton Burdick, Jose Devers, who all show potential to be good hitters. That could force their ways into a lineup down the line, but they're in a position, like as Don Mattingly recognized yesterday, to like force those doors open at AAA. So you'll have, if it happens, a bat coming up for their debut really hot. And that's what you want. You don't want to just have players walking into the majors with no opposition. The offense itself is positioned well for the year to go well, and there's not much risk involved if it doesn't quite lead to a fully functional offense, because the best upside bats in the organization would benefit from another year developing, while the biggest questions on the roster have a real shot to prove themselves. It's a formula to just make the most of who's on the team now, and that's a formula to getting the most wins you can. So I think we're looking at a deeper lineup than we have at probably any point in Miami Marlins history at least, and certainly not since like Florida Marlins days. It seems like an offense that could really click and keep any pitcher in check. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'll be back with you next Wednesday. Um, podcast will be back next week. But thank you for listening. For now, I've been Andrew Wordall.